Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Hallelujah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. Welcome into 11 Personnel. Here at SEC Media Days 2021, I'm Nick Roush. Joined for the first time in Birmingham in Hoover by Adam Luckett. Adam, have all of your dreams come true? Here's my biggest takeaway from today. You, you've always told me, like, it, this is a meat grinder. Like, you're going to be exhausted by the end. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, Roush, I've worked a real job before. I know what tired is. And I'll tell you what, I'm pretty damn tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was – and I didn't get up from my chair. Maybe I got up I got up to get coffee and grabbed a little Chick-fil-A for lunch. But, mm-hmm. man, you, I, I, I severely underestimated uh, the fatigue that it was going to go through. But, man, I – I, I did well tell you it was going to be cold, though, right? Mm-hmm. I, I warned you. I, I had to get up at one point because my toes were falling asleep. They were getting, like, tingly, you know, like when you've been out sledding for too long and you got to go inside. I, I had to walk around a little bit, but uh, it was a busy first day. A little bit of a late start, 
you know, Greg saying he didn't talk till 1230. But once we were off and rolling, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you became a star out there. Just grabbing the mic from everybody who, everybody, just well, stealing it left and right. Shane Meemer didn't love my scheme questions, but that's okay. It's not for everyone. <laughs> we did, Coach O did, we did get some good answers from him and LSU starting right tackle, Austin Deculus on Dare Rosenthal. But, yeah, it felt good. Um, had that, you know, it's not the prettiest room in there, so – Getting on TV, I don't. I don't look too bad compared to some of the other cats. So it makes makes you feel good. But yeah, I, I man, it was it was a fun fun time. And we we were only in there for what five hours, but it felt like a lot longer. Yeah, no, no, wait till Wednesday. Uh, but uh, let's let's start in reverse chronological order. That's what's freshest on our mind. Um, and the first thing on my mind, besides the the Bud Lights next to us, are these fancy water bottles that they got. So. They did change the drink setup this year, Luckett. Uh, it used to be just like a fountain tap of Dr. Pepper. I'm assuming because of COVID, they changed that. And now we have like a chest of Dr. Pepper varieties. Very much looking forward to trying out those Dr. Peppers with you. Uh, cream soda, cherry. I mean, they had any kind of Dr. Pepper you can imagine. That's for later in the week. And now we've got these core hydration bottles in... It just it's it's the fanciest looking water bottle I've ever seen in my life. It looks like something off Back to the Future. It really it really does. Like they when I, I saw people drinking these today, I thought they were like Rick Patino vitamin water. So I'm like, why are all these people drinking these? What's the water? It's just regular thing? water. It is. It's you know, pretty good water. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's fine, but it ain't got nothing on our friends from Sword Performance. The the Shield best Sword Performance. It's outstanding. It's keeping us hydrated throughout the week because whatever this crap is can't hold the tea. To our friends from Shield at Sword Performance, who is sponsoring uh, a lot of this week's activities. So check them out at drinksword.com. Uh, but Shane Beamer, he was the he was the last guy up in Luckett. He said maybe a thousand words a minute, and none of them said anything. It was it was actually of all the filibustering I've seen in my years at ACC Media Days. No, I, I've never been quite so impressed as somebody that can say so much and also so little at the same time. We've all gone to high school or hung out with a Shane Beamer. Just a schmoozer, knows how to talk, knows how to hit the talking points mm. to make people feel good about oh, themselves. Oh, and he hits them too. He was like, the tight ends are going to get the ball. Like, I mean, he was real. He would like... It was almost like Dwight Schrute pounding, right? You know, on the the podium. I mean, he really hit like two or three points, even though I didn't believe any of the baloney coming out of his mouth. He giving Peter Burns and Chris Doring shout outs. He's talking about South Carolina's the greatest job in the country. I used to watch SEC Network in Oklahoma. Like, yeah, like, get, get out of here, Shane. Oh, no, oh. you didn't. The, the, no, the the best line, the one that was really just like, come on, buddy. Was when he said that I've never I've been told that there's never been more excitement for South Carolina football ever, buddy. Do you, do you know who used to coach here yeah. like five years ago? Do you uh, not remember like eight years ago they were like thirty three and seven over three years <laughs> and had Steve Spurrier as right. the coach? Like Shane, Shane, like calm the hell down, buddy. But you know what? I give him credit for at least injecting some juice into a bad team. But I gotta say, I'm sensing a theme here. With these hires over at South Carolina, they just like good media people. Yeah, Ray Tanner definitely falls for that. Their athletic director, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Hook line and sinker, must champ, and and now Beamer. Like these are guys who are just are great at at kissing all kinds of butt, yeah. and that's what they've done. With Beamer, 
he's just very good in the PR aspect of this job. You can already tell. He knows the right points to hit. Like today I asked him kind of what I thought was a fair question and something he could have kind of expanded on, and he just he wasn't going to touch it. No, no. It was basically the league uh, in general and kind of like college football, like a trend is developing with hiring offensive coordinators from the NFL. So I'm trying to figure out, like, why, why, why is that happening? Um, and I, I even said, Beamer, you did it, Kentucky did it, LSU and Alabama has done it, and he just wouldn't touch it. But even then, he he propped up Marcus Satterfield five or six times. Mm-hmm. But when I asked this question, I didn't really realize this. The only reason Satterfield's there is because Bobo, uh, Mike Bobo, dipped on him to go to Auburn. So he wasn't <laughs> even their first choice. So I think that's probably what he was thinking, I guess. Uh, there, but yeah, I mean, he just did a very good job of selling his program. But at the same time, he had some quotes in there um, that were interesting. Like he's like really young at quarterback, and that's just how it is, <laughs> which doesn't sound great. Um, but he made sure to prop up line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, and then their their running back position. But other than that, they're they're really struggling. Like receivers, he's like, we got to have some guys step up. Um, we got then, a lot of them. And then he meant, right, and then he mentioned how. They lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal and early entry NFL guys in the back seven. I mean, that's really what their concern is heading into this season. So, like, recruiting had a big part of that, of mm-hmm. his speech. I mean, that was a lot of what he was talking about. And the sign from that should be they probably know it's not going to be a great year. You got Clemson in the non-conference. You got a weird row game at East Carolina in your second game. That's just – that screams kind of upset – Right there, and then you got the SEC slate at Georgia or Georgia at home, get Kentucky at home, and then you know whoever else they play. But but for him, it's all about it's all about recruiting and building to the future right now. And I think he checked those boxes. And I think if you're a South Carolina person, you're probably pretty happy with what you heard on Monday afternoon. Yeah, especially the you know we talk about how they play they play through the media. He. I I will commend him for using the platform to like, I mean he he didn't call out that four star tight end by name, but he basically did yeah. everything he could to call out. And I I don't even know the kid's name, but he's from South Carolina, correct? He lives in Georgia. Oscar Delp. He's a top one hundred talent. Yeah. Georgia, Clemson, South Carolina. That's kind of the recruiting battle right now. Um, right. South right. Car- that's like their big fish. Um, mm-hmm. Their version of Keontae Goodwin, I would say, in this twenty twenty two class. They're really trying to get him because that would help them make a pretty big splash, obviously, if you beat Clemson and you beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. The two schools your fan base dislikes the most right. for a big kid like that, That that's uh, that's kind of where they're at right now. Remember when South Carolina beat Georgia at Georgia two years ago? What a weird – That's an oral history game. Like, we talk about this <laughs> a lot. Like, that game, there was Jake Prom interceptions. They had to carry on Joiner at quarterback – South Carolina only averaged like 3.6 yards per play. So, and they won. And they won and the game. Was it a block punt? Well, uh, there was a pick was some... six. Uh, Israel Mukamu had like a pick six and yeah. another one that set up a score. That was, it was a noon, nooner yeah, down there at yeah. Sanford Stadium. Might even be a, a noon SEC network, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it was a very just – man, what a it bizarre was, game. Oh, entering that Saturday, it was like this, this, this gets maybe the third screen at my house. <laughs> Maybe. And then, and then it South became Carolina. Like, and then it just became um, two defensive coordinators just butt heads and game management situations. Mm-hmm. And a hot rod missed the kick. 
to win the game. I think he missed like two kicks that yeah, game. It was yeah. just a very weird game. Fromm had three interceptions. He only threw like eight his whole career at Georgia. It was just a very odd game. And your wife cried too, Jake Fromm. Yeah, she did. She yeah, does yeah, love was, her some Jake Fromm, no doubt. That, about um, but it, it was also kind of – this was later on in the day, but when we got to hear from some of the players, the, the setup is different because of COVID. Instead of having three players each in different corners of the room and you can just kind of go up and t- talk to them, they're bringing the players one at a time to the podium. There's only two of them. And it's so much more awkward because instead of – being at a table in a corner and speaking to, I don't know, 10 people gathered around in a huddle, you're speaking to a ballroom with 100 people in an SEC network set in the back. And, oh, yeah, the SEC network set, they're just doing their SEC network thing. They're not stopping to hear you talk. They're still mucking it up. and you Yeah, know. when the players are up there, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I felt bad for some of the guys, you know, who just were obviously a little rattled by it all. Um, so, I... I I don't I have a feeling Josh Pascal is going to handle the room I, well. Uh, he's a guy, but he's also not a guy too to take a bad question and just run with it for two minutes. He's not a Shane Beamer that's just going to keep on talking and talking. And I think it was funny that like every one of South Carolina's kids got asked about Frank Beamer when Frank Beamer's heyday they were what I know not even born. to a grasshopper. They were not born when uh, let's say Mike Vick. They oh, were born. Yeah, ninety nine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ninety nine. That was Florida State's or one of their last championships before Jimbo won in twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that was that nineteen ninety nine. It's twenty twenty one. Miles Brennan, I looked it up. He was born in ninety nine. So, yeah. so you're right on that verge. Yeah, yeah but not but, even being born when Beamer was really rocking and rolling. Right. I mean, so. I was little when that happened. <laughs> yeah, so you you had a little bit of awkward moments. I do see a little bit of Beamer in. You know, he, he's, he definitely kind of has well, the look of his dad. He has the pedigree. Yeah. The coordinator hires were weird. He's recruiting well. Like, they're going to have the top 25 class, legit top 25 class this year, more than likely. Um, so they're passing the checkpoints, but Muschamp was recruiting at a top 20 level at South Carolina. I was waiting for that tape today that he's upgraded the recruiting. That's not ha- That hasn't happened yet. Right, right. The development at Muschamp, and specifically the offensive ineptitude, was what doomed his – Right. Like that guy can go out and get ball players, um, but Beamer's hitting all the right notes so far, and we'll see what happens when they get on the field. Because we've seen South Carolina fans when the get on the field, they they can tend to overreact or they have in the past. Mm-hmm. See if they have any patience with Beamer. I think he he set it up to. He didn't really come out and say like this is a foundation year or whatnot, but I think he he kind of set the groundwork for that in general because. That they, do, they just have some holes this season. Speaking of coordinator hires, uh, Coach O was up today, and the two big talking points with LSU that are on the field related are: Did he hire the right coordinators, and who is going to be his quarterbacks? And uh, I spoke with Peter Burns today. I, we're going to have an ongoing series throughout the week at KSR where we're four questions with some familiar faces you've seen in the media. Uh, plenty of times, kind of, you know, just get some opinions from from outside uh, of the Kentucky realm, see their perspective. He thinks it's going to be Max Johnson, the lefty Brad Johnson's kid who really gave him a nice little uh, boost of 
You know, he saved their season. He saved their season in that game down in Florida and gave fans a reason to be optimistic going into this fall. But Miles Brennan did have some crazy stupid numbers. Yeah, when he got hurt, he did. He was. So, they were moving the ball through the air before he got hurt last year. Right. So now we're at a Coach O. You know, he wasn't going to tip his hat. He said, "I think we got two championship quarterbacks out there, uh, but something's got to give." Something's got to give. I don't know who it's going to be, uh, but I, for just pun's sake, I hope it's Max Johnson because, man, the T-shirt sales that that dude could do in the nil era, who's ready for some Max Johnson? I'm going to give you the Max Johnson. I mean, my goodness, just the potential <laughs> is limitless. Yeah, I mean, it's also a, a big portal splash eventually. One of those guys is going to go into the portal. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so that's that's the big thing. LSU, uh, to me, it was the coordinator's. Um, with Orgeron. He got asked about the Title IX lawsuit by Pete Thamel. Oh, man. He shut that down. Goodness gracious. Did, and, and without even, a breath. It, it was also one of those things, too. So you're asked to stand up. And, you know, Pete Thamel, he ain't got a time to stand up. Cecil Hurt from the Tuscaloosa News or whatever he's at, he can stay sitting down. He had a crutch, by God. He wasn't, he's, he's, he, Cecil Hurt was hurting. But Pete Thamel tried to stay seated when he asked him about the Title IX stuff. It was, I know you can't comment on ongoing litigation. But what have you done in your program to change? Like he tried to give like a different spin on things. Yeah. But then, oh, cannot wait for him to finish asking the question. Oh, he. I'm not talking about yeah. that. <laughs> but then he. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but really, a lot of it came down to, like you said, the coordinator hires. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize the ripple effect of Matt Rule going to Carolina. That took both of LSU's coordinators. He hires Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator, and in his vacancy, Dave Aranda moves to Baylor. Really ripple effect. Like I just, I don't know how I hadn't put the two to two together. Yeah. But uh, so now, Coach O is partying like it's 2019. He's bringing in a couple of Joe Brady's assistants from the Panther staff to try to get some of that mojo back, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the selling point. I don't know how much I'm buying it, uh, but the other selling point was like, well, we got all of our guys back. In the trenches. So we at least have a good up front, and now we got the right coordinator hires. The defensive coordinator they hired uh, to replace Pelini, who was a disaster, was from Mike Zimmer's staff in Minnesota. So mm-hmm. he kept it NFL. Uh, Durante Jones, I believe is his yes, name? Yes, correct. So uh, they're keeping it NFL, and even though he's only two years removed from a national championship, there is a, like, Mark Stoops, we're pressing the reset button thing. But in this case, it's almost a total reset. Because uh, they also had to go get an offensive line coach from Arkansas. Like, they, it really is, a, I mean, a complete overhaul. It's a mess. Nick Saban's It's extent. a mess. Yeah. It's a big year for Orgeron for a lot of reasons. The Title IX lawsuit looms large. They've got this stank tank going on at offensive coordinator between DJ Mangus, who's serving as a passing game coordinator, and then Jake Peets is the offensive coordinator going to call the plays, both from the Panthers, like you said. So was Marcus Satterfield, South Carolina's new O.C., they had a defensive coordinator search. They lost out on the Marcus Freeman sweepstakes. Cincinnati's mm-hmm. D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to Notre Dame instead of LSU. So they kind of had to settle there for some coordinator hires. And that that makes you worry a little bit, a school like LSU, that you have to do that. It's a really big year for them. They open at UCLA. It's going to be a big game. You know, if that's it's a it's a pretty big litmus test to me. Like if LSU's legit top ten good, they should be able to. They're going to go up there and they're going to win forty two to twenty four. Yeah, give up DTR and have a couple big plays. Right, UCLA have a big play. They may have a turnover too, but they physically they'll just wear UCLA out over sixty minutes. Yeah, 
if they're not, if it's, they get upset or it's a close game, that, that gives you cause for concern. And from Kentucky's point of view, you want to see the latter. If it's the first one, then you're looking like a top-10 team. This They're just going to be tough to beat. They're probably going 9-3 and three kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If not, they uh, they could be right for some upsets this season. And that's really what Kentucky's looking at. <laughs> right for some upsets, eh? Don't you say? Uh, the Kentucky-LSU connection, though, very evident. Uh, you alluded to it earlier, but you got some tasty quotes from Orgeron and Austin Deculus about Dare Rosenthal, which... Man, yeah, I, they're so. Let look. Let's just can we can we just be candid for a little bit here? We don't have to like beat around the bush, do we? We can just be honest with our listeners here on Eleven yeah. Person Now. So there were two questions asked today by a Baton Rouge reporter. He asked Greg, saying he, I mean, literally read it from. His mm-hmm. it was a TV reporter. He literally read it from his his note card. Hey, yeah, yeah. And then he asked the same thing to Ed Orgeron. Should there be a uniform drug policy in the SEC? Because some feel that it's not fair. And when he says some feel that it's not fair, it's LSU football fans and a prominent alum, Sadiq Charles, who is a starter for the Washington football team. Dare yeah. Rosenthal is obviously a very popular. He's really well. Like yeah, I was even surprised by that today. I mean, Decula said he's basically a brother. He's my best friend. That guy's a dog. He's going to be one of the best out there. They, they, Coach O, same thing. I mean, Coach O said I recruited him myself out of Faraday High School. Yeah, and that's like a very, like they really like Dare Rosenthal, but Dare Rosenthal probably likes to smoke a doobie every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we can. We can read between the lines that, here. That's what's floating around that that whole situation. Yes, and and essentially we have a, a scenario here where guy fails, you know, a drug test, and then all of a sudden he can't work his way out of that. Like he's stuck behind an eight ball, and the people at LSU are not happy about it. And and you know what? I'm happy about it because Kentucky seems to really be reaping the rewards here. They, uh, I've, I've, I've never seen that like that with the transfer anywhere where they're just this speak this glowingly about a guy outside Jalen Hurts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I mean, it really. Yeah. That's like the one exception, and uh, you know, I think that speaks. It's good for Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, it keeps that pipeline open. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's also one of those things, too, that I think it's kind of silly that we're in a day and age where we're also kind of having to talk around it now. But it's like the same thing that happened with the, the track star uh, out at the Olympics. It's right. like that happened in Oregon. You can walk down the street with a, Cigars just rolling around everywhere, and no, and nobody cares. But you can't run a track meet after smoking pot out there. So it's a weird double standard we still have out there. And at LSU, you could tell that they're being as vocal about it without being vocal about it as possible. LSU's a mess right now. They've got a bunch of stuff going on there. I mean, this is a we're talking football, but like there's the Will Wade basketball stuff. The baseball coach got fired. Mm-hmm. They just hired Kim Mulkey, who comes with some oh, baggage. God, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot going on in BR right now. So in this, whatever is going on with their, whatever this drug testing policy is, 
there's just a lot going on with Orgeron, and they've got <laughs> Scott Wilber, the athletic director, has a laundry list of stuff he's probably working through right now. What was funny is whenever Sankey got asked about it, he's like, usually this would like check the boxes. I'm used to Ross Dellinger asking me about the alcohol yeah. question, which anybody follows Ross Dellinger on Twitter would get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but either way, I, I think what's most important here, though, Kentucky fans, uh, if you're looking for not a silver lining, but the the rest of the story. The rest of the story is Dare Rosenthal's coming to Kentucky, and he's not going to be a problem in the locker room. Like that is that is clear and evident that that guy was well liked down there. Yeah, and he's also obviously has the talent to, to first get round the talent done. was the words Orgeron used today. Yeah, and <laughs> Deculus, who's going to he could play in sixty career games at LSU. He's one of those COVID he's super, super senior, senior. Mm-hmm. and. He said that he's one of those futuristic types of offensive linemen. <laughs> that was the way he described him because he's such a great athlete. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kentucky's got a good one there. And uh, a reason to get excited. It's going to be weird, though, being at Media Days tomorrow. And we saw the posters that came out today. Kentucky's offensive poster had more offensive linemen than any other position group. Offensive line and tight ends. They, they know where their bread is buttered, man. Yeah. Uh, speak uh, and Dan Mullen, who was first, had an interesting quote regarding that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but Kentucky, they they're leaning into that offensive line, mm-hmm. and you know they've got good one in the fold. Ryan Bayer, that recruitment's looking a little iffy right now, but Emil Wagner's still out there. I mean, they could get two top one hundred tackles in yeah. this class. Plus Grant Bingham, who's going to slide inside the guard. Um, they're really leaning in hard to that to that offensive line, the strength of the team, and he, how can you blame them? No, no, it's no. Got, it's going to be a b- huge part of what they do this year, and it, it's just another point of the season. Well, how how does that help a new offensive coordinator and whatnot? Uh, but, yeah, not surprised to see the, the media guy go all in on the offensive line. I, I also appreciate that the new trend among offensive linemen, just nationwide, is let's grow our hair long. Deculus had it, and Kennard's got it. The hair past the shoulders just makes an enormous human look even more enormous. Maybe it's because it's like, it's kind of a caveman-esque look. I don't know what it is, but I think it makes him look even bigger, and I'm I'm here for it. Actually, kind of, is it weird if I ask Kennard what kind of product he puts in his hair? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know anything about hair products, so... I get it now. <laughs> this is just some hair envy over here. Uh, let's talk about Dan Mullen. What a what a piece of work that guy is. <laughs> he thinks the shoes are so cool. Like he thinks he's so cool, like wearing the Jordans. And you just you can tell that he is such a poser because he did the whole Star Wars Darth Vader thing last year. Then today he got asked what his favorite Star Wars movie was. He couldn't name one. Totally played it off. Like he was like, "Oh, you know, you can go so many different routes. There's so many good ones." It's like, dude, this is the easiest question ever. Just say Empire. Like, but I don't know if he actually. I think if you held his feet to the fire, I don't know if he could actually name the title of a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I mean, and he could. He could maybe tell you what his shoes are on the day of. That's his signature go-to. Um, but uh, whatever, Mullen. Mullen. He's such a tryhard. That's what it is. 
He's such a he's a tryhard, and that's what I think annoys the bejesus out of me. Do you have the quote that he had today uh, uh, in the local media scrum? That, yeah. I mean, my goodness, Dan Mullen. Like what? Well, this quote that came out uh, as soon as we saw it. It was right before he even took the stage because it came, right. Like you just said it just came from the local media, and you mentioned Poser and tryhard. And as soon as I saw this, I told you he wants to be Spurrier so bad. I mean, yeah, that was your exact words. Dan Mullen, at SC, this is from Edgar Thompson, uh, who covers the Gators um, for a newspaper in Florida. Dan Mullen at SEC Media Days on Georgia being the team to beat in the SEC East. Didn't they say that last year? And turns out Florida was picked to win the East this year <laughs> in the preseason. He just, I mean, he he's a goober. There, there's no real getting around that. It just is who he is. Mm-hmm. We heard whispers from some Mississippi State people that today that he's not the best guy to work oh, with. Yeah, yeah. They there were not any glowing reviews of his. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It sounded like he was kind of a jerk in the building. Yeah, his tenure in Starkville um, wasn't the easiest guy to work with. Which coming from the Urban Meyer tree, that's not too terribly <laughs> shocking. I I also appreciate that the way he. The way that he and his players kind of finessed any sort of critiques was yeah yeah I, especially recruiting like hey Alabama's getting more players from Florida than any other school and what's your kind of how do you change that and it was just well we got to keep them home because in the state of Florida they make the bet and then he did his you know kind of facilities pitch. Yeah, yeah sales pitch yeah. My thing with it is, and I told you this today before the thing got started, like he just hasn't – he hasn't spent um, the coaching staff equity, the, the the pool of money he has to delegate responsibilities. He just hasn't gone out and gotten recruiters like that. So they're just not going to – they're just not going to compete against those guys down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they're going to have a class and average star rating. It's going to be somewhere between 10 and 13. And if they don't get a generational quarterback, this is just what they're going to be. Um, but that that the recruiting one was one. But for, to me, the more was the defensive criticism. Like he didn't say like I fully believe in my defense. He kind of bounced around the question. Right. And then the Emory Jones stuff. Dude, they would not. I mean, it's almost like. I mean, I asked every player got asked, and you could tell that they had been like prepped. Prepped for oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Mullen got asked a couple times, and he would not say, like... He even did the thing where he was like, well, I've had a lot of different kinds of quarterbacks. Yeah. He, like, named off right. all throughout his 20-year coaching career, you know. We had Tebow's. We had this kind. Here's my theory, Luckett. If Emory Jones was as good as he was billed as a recruit, he would have played over Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's that good. And you know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that he's going to get hurt against Kentucky, and the backup's going to come in and be the hero. Like, is that bad that, like, the Kentucky fan in me is already worried about Florida's backup quarterback? Yeah, that backup is a Nick Fitzgerald clone. Oh, so he sucks too. I mean, he's going to, like, if they want to run power, you're not going to stop him from getting four yards. <laughs> but, like, he's got some – he's probably got more arm talent than Fitzgerald, but he's got some concerns when it comes to throwing the football. But, but you, you see where I'm coming from, though, is, like, a lot of the early hype you get on Florida is based on 
Well, Dan Mullen's good with quarterback. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of – it's Georgia's division, and Florida's just going to be second fiddled. Like, they've already penciled them into that, and I just don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, that's this is the year where that changes, Nick. I think they, they've gone to three New Year's Six Bowls, so I, I think that's the thought process there. But, you, you, I mean, you're right. Like, they're, they're – I've always thought Kentucky's close or Florida's closer to Kentucky than they are Georgia, even when they beat Georgia last year. Yeah, yeah. just because the the talent that Georgia gets is just, I mean, it's just it's a tier, a good tier above what Florida's getting yeah. right now. It's a lot and, uh, significantly, and, and I think it says a lot about Mullen as an in-game coach that he's been able to get Florida where they are right now. Like he's done a really good job to get them to 29 and nine over the last three years in my opinion mm-hmm. and they were 29 and six before that three game losing streak to end the season but they have a hard ceiling with him right now and I think they're just hitting their head on it right um, and eventually when you hit the hard you don't you're not going to keep hitting the hard ceiling either you're going to break it or you're going to start regressing right and so I think we could see some of the aggression I've compared them to Ooh. Penn State um, I think you compare them to Michigan too where there's only so high you can get up, and you're not going to stay there over time. You're gonna you're gonna have dips, you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. if you're reaching your ceiling right now, which it seemed like their ceiling's nine and three, um, fringe top ten, then what's the what's the down year? What's what the is, four? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. is is it seven and five? Can you maintain eight and four? Do and you the, have a six and six in there if a bunch of stuff goes wrong? Um, is this the year it happens? I mean, it could. I wrote today. Um, kind of, we're doing some roundups on the on the side of of all of Kentucky's opponents. And my thing with at the end with Florida is they it's fair to expectation to think they're going to be the second best team in the SEC East, that they should go 9-3. and three. But it's but I think at the same time you have to say this could be the worst team in Dan Mullen's tenure in Gainesville. Yeah, yeah. And so if that if if that's true, you could if you could just see the season going a bad way, especially when you draw Bama and LSU out of the West. you got to go to LSU. Right, right. And the, the schedule, if you're looking at it, they got they at least it's front loaded with a lot of home games. Uh, the the Kentucky, yeah the non conference is manageable. I mean you yeah. got Florida State at the end, but all those games are going to be double digit favorites. You, their first road game is at Kentucky, but you have Alabama in week three, which you know that's no cupcake. But maybe Kentucky is what gets the the them bursting at the seams because they travel at Van to or they they host Vanderbilt the following week, but then travel. To LSU, have a bye, and then it's the cocktail party. That could be a couple of losses. Uh, Missouri, yeah, you, you don't know what that's going to be like towards the end of the year. So, I just, I would love to see things. We, we saw the wheels really rattle towards the end of the year, but I think a lot of folks are willing to excuse it because of the opt-outs they had. Nevertheless, love watching Dan Mullen just squeam. Squirm. Back to stadium, eh? Get the hell out of here, damn Mullen. Did you find the Jeffrey Simmons thing weird? That was really weird. Why did Why did Sankey bring that up? I don't know. Did they want it to be a talking point? Like, maybe the fact that he's... Well, and, and what was also weird about Sankey bringing up Jeffrey Simmons as he was coming to the podium is that, like, it was almost like he was saying, yeah, he he's done good, but we also aren't talking about the bad I, stuff, either. For us, I need I need to educate myself on that. What exactly that was? There was a video of him hitting a woman or something like that. Yeah, at, but there as was a high like or, he shouldn't have done it. But there was like an exclamation for it kind of thing. 
Yeah, Am like, I remember that like, correctly. Like hit his car or something. Like there was something, or hit his sister or something like that. Yeah, there was something to it. But it's been so long that I forget. In the and he has moved on. Like he's by all accounts, he's a. I mean, he's a stud of a football player, and he's not gotten any trouble since. He's a good player for the Titans now. That was just why. Like why would you bring I, I, that? Why would you bring that up? I, I thought that was odd. Yeah, it was odd. But speaking of Greg Sankey. The Stanky Lake himself, he had his long intro today, and he did not quote Bruce Springsteen, but he got the next best thing with Bob oh, Dylan. If you quote Springsteen, that's like a sports sports writer's dream. I don't know why, but every sports writer, I'm not one of them, but every sports writer like seems like they have fam- yeah. like they grew up with Bruce Springsteen posters in their room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same – Bruce Springsteen, it's because he grew up wearing sports reporter pajamas as well. So the feeling is mutual. The two love one another. But it, but Sankey went a little bit different and quoted like the one Bob Dylan song that everybody knows. And it might be the easiest cliche in the history of music cliches. And that Sankey's saying, the times, they are a-changing. And man, did that... It was just so... Uh, what made it even worse is since Sankey is the commissioner, it was like he planned a PowerPoint too, where they had this big screen behind him and they could pull up stuff as he was talking. So they brought up the Bob Have Dylan they done that behind him. No, that's new, and it was so just. It felt so corny. It was just so corny. Like it. Like we get it. The time. Like this was the first time in a long time that I can remember a commissioner's remarks actually having carrying so much weight and significance because. I mean, we just had Mark Emmert saying earlier this week that we need to decentralize things and give conference commissioners more power. And this was also Sankey's opportunity to kind of take a victory lap. I mean, that was Ross Dellinger's column this morning was kind of like, hey, all of you people who didn't want to play football, take out your suckets and suck it. Because Sankey stood firm. He did not panic. I think that was the correct, the direct quote was, the SEC never panicked. Yes. And they continue to play. So in addition to the usual bragging that Sankey does at the podium there also was a here's we we want to be the leaders and things moving forward except uh also congress you need to pass the nil law not us to me like the take was just it was just a lot to unpack it was Um, it was like it overwhelmed me how much like was thrown at us um during that press conference you had uh, the first off the COVID stuff that, um, that was probably the most newsworthy thing was, hey, if you don't have enough players to play and you've got a forfeit, we're not rescheduling. 80% of the roster. Yeah, we're not rescheduling and we're not uh, having any sort of no contest. Like, it will be a forfeit. And that's not officially official yet. The university's got to prove that, those administrators. But that's kind of the plan moving forward this fall is that – if you don't have it, it's your own damn fault because right now only six of 14 teams have 80% of their team vaccinated. Kentucky is not one of them. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, somebody. I think Josh Moore reported that today. Okay. I saw Tyler tweet that out. Gotcha. Uh, per Josh Moore of the Herald Leader. But, yeah, I mean, he went in on the Disney deal. Starts in 2024. It's going to be nice knowing the game times. Game time's a little bit more in advance. It's more fan-friendly. I think that's a smart move. Yeah, like being able to like, oh – I can go to a road trip in Athens and only have to book one night, or maybe not Athens, but like Tennessee or Nashville. Those are close, like day trips. 
you can know months ahead, do I need a hotel for Friday or Saturday? Right. Save yourself some yeah. cheddar. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. having to book it closer or to Or cancel time. or whatever. But it's just, yeah. I think it's kind of uh, short notice that two Mondays before a game is when you're finding out yeah. kickoff time. But he, nevertheless. He talked about the portal and how many, you know, there's 1,100 players still in it. We need to improve flexibility. And what he's saying there is is the 25 hard cap scholarship rule in college football. Um, that if you take a – like you like Tennessee lost 30 scholarship players pretty much to the transfer portal. But they're only allowed to bring in 25 hard cap every year. Mm-hmm. So then it creates a situation – because any portal – any guy you bring in from outside – like they brought Joe Milton from Michigan, that counts against their 25 scholarship limit for that recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And so coaches that are losing a lot of guys in the portal. They want to – every time you lose one, you should be able to well, get one. Well, I don't know if it's that per se, but there should be some wiggle room there. Like we should get more – because if you don't, then in two or three years you're you're stuck in a situation. Like Tennessee's facing a situation where over the next three years they're going to average somewhere between 65 and 72 scholarship players. It's going to be like – it's like self-inflicted probation mm-hmm. almost. Um, and so the NCAA, they just – they, it went to the Board of Governors and it didn't pass. Um, so that's a lot of college football coaches are pretty pissy about that right now. Right, they want right. to get that passed. So that's really what he was talking about there. Um, and then just the NCAA in general. Um, but to that portal point, though, it was 1,100 out of 1,600 entries just hadn't found a new home. And that's the grass is greener people. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's true. And that was one of the side effects. So we, we actually now have some hard and fast evidence because it's been long enough. I mean, it's only a year. And obviously – I think this could just be the early phenomenon of it where everybody's kind of just jumping at opportunities as quickly as possible. Like, they, they just always think it's going to be better. But this was always going to be a side effect. Like, yeah, just because you were recruited by a bunch of schools out of high school doesn't mean they want you once they've seen you out of college. It's part of the just player empowerment era. If you want uh, to have agency, that's just going to be – it's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm like, saying? You're learning your worth the hard way. Right. In a lot of these instances. So So as, as time goes on, kids are going to get more educated about that um, because a lot of the people around them, close to them, are, are going to get educated because they're going to see what's happening now. Right. And so that's all, that all that all is going to figure out itself. He said it's easy to criticize the NCAA, but he went on to say, like, adaptation is needed or right. adaption is needed. Um, basically, the point of that was – um, like you said, the commissioner should have more power. It's not fair to not give more scholar like or scholar like baseball only gets eleven point seven scholarships yeah, and other yeah. random sports. It's not fair that the SEC um, that can afford to give more scholarships. Right. It's not fair that SEC is treated the same as Winthrop. Yeah. Yeah. No. You no. know. And that's and that was the point of Emmer's comments. But I also think that it was. I mean, folks. Not everybody in this business is bright. You know, we latch on to talking points. We do. It's easy. It's all hanging fruit. So somebody went back to the well of breaking off with the Power Five. Sankey was like, no, let me be clear. Like, this is not this is not us breaking off. It's just maybe uh, – he didn't say operating more autonomously, but he also describes the Power Five as the Autonomous Five or something. Like, that's what they refer to themselves as. So, which is just a weird ass name. Like, let's, we we can begin with that. But that in general, it, it just they're they're the big wig at, or conference commissioners are pissed off about 
what happened last year. Like, Emmert just... Yeah, he said, you all deal with it. Yeah, he just threw his hands and said, you all take it. And then he just got an extension. And so they're they're mad because really they just want a new commissioner. Like, they want somebody to come in that will, um, I think, give them more leeway and will listen to them more. Yeah. Um, instead, they're doing – they feel like they're doing his job for him. I think that's what I'm kind of taking away um, from these from these comments. And he was really – Sankey was really kind of going after him, which is – Kind of crazy because that was his background was NCAA sanctions, yeah. and he mentioned the sanctions like Which, yeah, the, the, that was the Central District of New York, and the you know we're talking about LSU, know, Will Wade, Hookergate with L- with, with Louisville. Louisville. Oh, Mangus was quick to bring that up because yeah, Sankey been, Sankey was a part of the we're going to crack down, but now that's kind of moved away from that. And I think the words he was like fair and timely. We want these. They should still be yeah, processed, but it still needs to be fair and timely. But it's like, I mean, that was four years ago with Hookergate. Or, right. No, it wasn't Hookergate. It was Brian Bowengate. I get all of my Louisville scandals mixed up. It's it's easy to yeah. confuse them. But it, it, um, it, these schools are worse off just being hurt over the long run. Just give them the punishment so they can just move, move on. on. Yeah, yeah. You just they've got a cloud over them, and they just can't. You can't escape it. It's just. I mean, it's going on a half decade now. Yeah. Like just make make a damn decision and let's go. And so, it was really a um, a shot at Emmert. A lot of this was kind of going for going yeah, after him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was. I mean, there was just a lot there. Oh, from he Sankey also today. like when talking about the changes. A big emphasis was like we're going to change, but we've got to keep Olympic sports intact. I know there's a lot of folks out there that were happy to hear that because not only are they involved in those sports, but as he put it plainly, I think eighty percent of all Olympic athletes spent time in college. Yeah, it's a developing ground. Like a lot of people, you know, that's what he was saying. You can't have the Olympic model we have without college sports. Yeah, because like uh, not all of our athletes go pro in something other than sports. Um, also, but most of our Olympic athletes go pro in Olympic stuff mm-hmm. after going to college. So um, he really, it was it was one of those things where it was like, oh gosh, I want to hit the the high points, but there was there was there was a lot there was a lot to unpack and. I think the one thing that I will at least, uh, I do appreciate not only the candor in that Sankey can be, he can be buttoned up as well as buttoned down, you know, like he can make his Ross Dellinger jokes, but he can also like be very measured in his remarks and choose his words carefully. So, uh, he at least showed last year that he's done a great job. There's yeah. no getting around that since he took. Yeah, they're, they're really he has, uh, and you got to commend him for it. So, I uh, I don't know where it's going, but I'm at least more confident now that he's one of those leading the charge. Now that Emmert's like taking a step back, and and what it's going to do is it's going to end up benefiting Kentucky and the in the big picture of things. Yeah, SEC in general for sure. Yeah. They're, they're in. A great spot as as they should be as the prominent conference in college athletics. Look at I'm I'm curious out, out of all of the things we saw today. So we talked about what we who we heard from and whatnot. Was there any um, anything on you know maybe Radio Row maybe at the Winfrey Hotel that kind of uh, maybe maybe threw you off guard a little bit that you were you were, weren't expecting at your first SEC media days. I mean, <laughs> we weren't expecting a full fledged mall. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a big ass mall. Yeah. Like, like the hotel is literally attached to a mall. You can watch from. You can walk from the hotel into a mall. Yeah, the food court right downstairs. Maybe we get some Great American Cookie Company. Oh, I saw that today. Yeah, it caught my eye. Um, Mullen had an interesting. He had a couple interesting things about schedule. Oh yeah, that was a good talking point. It, one was he <laughs> he doesn't like the the permanent train. Uh, Crossover. Perm- and I looked at Nick and I said, well, of course he doesn't like it. He's got to play LSU every year. Yeah, like Kentucky, they probably like the permanent crossover. And opponent. so he said that and he said, you know, I wish we didn't do that. And then he said, if we went to nine, I would like – because I hope I might ask Kirby about this tomorrow if no one else does. The comments where he had about, you know, the Jacksonville game. Oh, the neutral site yeah, game, I, yeah. I, well, when you, your only you road feel- game is a neutral site game or uh, – what was it? Yeah, he said you play four home, four away, and then you would play one neutral site. He says, I don't have no idea how they would do it, but I think that'd be a good – and really what he was saying there was like if everybody does it, then Georgia has to do it kind of thing. They don't have a choice, and then you can't complain about not having um, the recruiting week there. But that's like a big – it got – it didn't um, – there wasn't media days last year, so it wasn't mm-hmm. really talked about. But 2019, that was a huge thing mm-hmm. back then. Especially because they didn't have a contract to play the game in Jacksonville there for right. a while. Right, so we would have to get Kirby Smart's comments on that. And I was trying to think from Kentucky's aspect. Like, First off, it's a terrible idea. Oh, yeah, four home, we four need, away. We need more home site. games. We don't yeah. need neutral sites. No, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> but if it did happen, um, like where, who would Kentucky do it with? I mean, Missouri and Indianapolis, that was kind of my thinking. Yeah, St. Louis would be bad. Because Tennessee would make sense for them to play Alabama in, like, Legion Field in Birmingham and then play them in Nashville or something like that. Yeah. Texas A&M and Arkansas think, already do it. I think Kentucky-Missouri, you would play one in Louisville and one in St. Louis. Because those are both kind of like the Fayetteville. Yeah, that Arkansas's. would make sense. That would yeah. make sense. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was the Kentucky one I came up with. Like, South Carolina, like, would they play just – you know they couldn't play Georgia, so like, who would they play? Would they play Tennessee and Charlotte? So, I was thinking because A and M is their crossover. That like maybe A and M plays in Houston. A and M already has one though with Arkansas. They play yeah, in Dallas yeah, or in yeah. Arlington. Yeah, it'd be hard. That maybe be a project. Figure that out. But yeah, those were interesting comments from Mullen. Man, what a what a try hard. So tomorrow, Nick, we go into Tuesday. Yep, we got Kentucky on the schedule. Kentucky's early afternoon, Lane yep. Kiffin late afternoon. So Kirby Smart will kick things off. He'll be very boring. Probably more most underrated boring guy. At least he's he's like Malzahn was, but Kirby at least has a little bit of spunk to his talk. So it at least sounds kind of like, okay, Josh Heupel, my God, that guy. He's going to be a real piece of work. I don't even know what he's going to be selling either. But yeah, I, I wrote about it in one of our primers on KSR about like this is kind of same way for Beamer. This is kind of his first time um, getting national attention, and obviously Tennessee's a bigger brand than South Carolina. But he really needs to sell the program and get some positivity around them because there's really no positivity right now with all the transfer portal stuff, right? The right. NCAA cloud looming. Like yeah, but see, like seriously, what They're is not your, recruiting well? What puts butts in seats at Neyland Stadium? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's just <laughs> I mean tradition. I mean, that's really the and only air raid thing. We're going to we're going to yeah. move the ball. Yeah, so. you had an interesting point when you went on with SEC Mike on his podcast. Mhm. 
like the Tennessee Kentucky thing is total. It's like an inverse of 1998, 1997. <laughs> Kentucky's now the proven program um, that's stout in the line of scrimmage. Um, keeps producing running backs, leads the league in rushing. Where Tennessee is running like this, or they're just going all in on this all out, spread it out, gimmick, throw a yeah. deep offense. Like could like you can consider it kind of gimmicky. Like when Hypo has faced um, good defenses, they've they've had been able to kind of shut it down a little bit um, in some spots. So yeah, I thought that was very very interesting when I heard you bring that up. Um, but, yeah, I think the big thing for him is going to be selling that offense. We're going to score points, yada, yada, yada. Um, but the poor, he's going to get a lot of portal questions, be interested in how he answers that and mm-hmm. how he goes all about that. Yeah, and we got – when Kentucky comes up, I know that at least with amongst local media, it would be the first time Stoops has talked since Dan Brezowitz was arrested. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it will be a very blasé kind of response, but that will certainly be news. Handling internally. Probably what it'll be. Right, right. And I'm sure there might be some general questions about having multiple coaches rest in the offseason. But I don't know how much that reverberates elsewhere. I don't think Pete Thamel is going to be, you know, trying to, to, to pull a gotcha yeah. on Stoops. But I, I'm also curious, too. I mean, it feels like every year we get the reoccurring, we don't get enough respect kind of card. I don't know. I, I don't know. If that's something that happens again, because you would think that a lot of it's going to be talking about the offense and kind of yeah. what we've well, got. What are the like the national regional media? What are the questions they're asking Stoops? You know, how do you break through that glass to get to the top? That yeah, you've to been me, in that middle. You to know? me, it's why um, Liam Cohen and why this new offense. Right. Um, to me, it's like why have you all struggled so much in the passing game? Transfer portal. How have you yeah. been, how have you been able to do so well on the transfer portal, and then just you know probably hit longevity. How does it feel to be the second longest tenure coach oh, in the SEC? Yeah, that's gonna be a nice half toss at the beginning, but yeah. Um, and and the, the thing that's also gonna be like so Peter Burns shared a story about just how ticked off Stoops was at eighteen media days. We're gonna be a damn good team. I hope I hope there's like an anecdote about that, like that. Because if you get fiery stoops during talking season, then you know he's got something good. So hopefully that's the case. Um, but they've kept a lot of things a mystery, particularly offensively. That's what we want to know. And I, I don't know how much he's going to be willing to give tomorrow. How much kind of newsy things and uh, how good is his bad joke going to be? Because he's, he's always, always got does. one. Yes, yes. He's always got one bad joke and it. You know, <laughs> I always wonder if he like comes up that days before, if he just sits on the plane and tries to think of one. I'm sure it's not in Tony Neely's prep, uh, prep before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's not part of it. But we're gonna be there for it all. If you aren't following along on Kentucky Sports Radio's Instagram or the Facebook page, the stories, we're, we're, images, everything behind the scenes for media days, we'll be recording live in personnel throughout the week. Uh, we got a lot more to. I'm really excited too. Subscribe to the KSR YouTube page. Some of these conversations with media folks, I think you all will find enlightening. And we're going to help you get to know uh, Kentucky's opponents. This is hell. This is the time uh, of the year that I get to know a lot of them too. Get more well acquainted with them. So uh, exciting time to kick talking season off down here in Hoover. Day one complete. Got to get some dinner now. But uh, one down, three to go. Yep, one down three to go we appreciate y'all hanging out with us down here in hoover we'll be back before you know it uh, and until then go cats and go kroger
Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.